Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Kernsville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Kernsville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.kernsvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 23. Romans chapter 14. Now, we're, we're, we're wrapping up. We're, we're going to be finishing up 14 here. Going to be getting into chapter 15 next week, and we're going to be hitting various passages in 15 and 16. And then we're going to be done with Romans. And through Romans, the whole point of our studying Romans is understanding your faith. And and so I want you to see the progression Paul has been making. Paul has been trying to help us to understand that, first of all, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ. And you need to understand that. Why? Because all of the world is condemned. So he goes through various groups, why they're condemned. Finally, all of us are condemned because we fall short of the glory of God. But then we have salvation, not because of what we do, it's not because of us, but because of our faith in who? Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And that faith then is expressed through our justification, our reconciliation with him. It's not about us, it's about him. We are accepted in him. We have been given a new life. We're dead to sin. Don't give yourself to sin, but live for righteousness. But yet there is this struggle within us, Romans chapter 7. But again, remember, Paul says, the wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? But thanks be to Christ, it's, it's Jesus. And so then he tells us about the sovereignty of God through chapters 9 through 11, getting to chapter 12. Now, okay, how do we live our lives now? Well, give yourself to God, verse 1, chapter 12. Verse 2, don't be conformed to the image of this world. Don't, don't just be thinking, doing what everybody else says, no matter where you land, wherever, because everybody in the world is messed up, be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so how? You transform yourself by God's word. So what does he tell you then? Focuses on next, what? Love each other. Use your gifts for each other. Love each other. Don't just love each other. Love your enemies. Love others outside of the church. Love those who despise you, who persecute you. Even tells you how you and I are supposed to act with government because God is the one who ordains government. He's the one who sets government up, period. He sets the leaders up. Nobody becomes leader unless God allows him to become leader. That blows your mind when you think about it. And then he just brings it right down to that point again. It's about loving each other. So here's how he then takes it one step further when we get into chapter 14, and he says this. Don't despise somebody who's not on the same maturity level as you. Don't judge others in questionable things, opinions, and so forth. Don't go there. Why? Because you're supposed to love each other. So he's going to take it one step further today. One step further, it's more than just that you don't have an attitude towards somebody. He's going to talk about how you and I are supposed to be with that person. And that's put them first. 
Because again, remember what I said to you earlier, your salvation isn't about you, right? I'm going to tell you, your Christian life isn't about you. Life as a believer isn't about you. Your salvation wasn't about you, it was about Jesus, right? But now your life as a believer isn't about you. It's about other believers. It's about all of us together. And here's how he's going to express it. We're going to see it in verses 13 to 23. And we're going to divide it into four sections. But look with me. If you have your Bibles or if you're using a pew Bible, if not, you can look on the screen. Here's what he writes. Verse 13. He's reiterating the point here. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. But rather... Decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as evil be spoken of as evil. Excuse me. Do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and of peace and of joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then... Let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbringing. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever doubts is condemned if he eats, because eating is not from faith, because the eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. What's he talking about, George? Well, we're going to divide it up into a couple of places, and it's going to be about the whole issue of putting others first. What we're going to do is, first of all, we're going to see in verse 13 a principle. Then we're going to talk about the issue of freedom. In Christ, you and I have a, free, a, a level of freedom. But the problem is, is that your level of freedom may cause a problem for somebody else. So what do you do with that? Then we're going to see what true spirituality is. If you want to be truly spiritual, he's going to tell you what it is to be truly spiritual. And then finally, he's going to tell you what really matters. So let's talk about the principle, first of all. Look with me at verse 13. Here's what he says, the first part. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, refusing to judge or despise a fellow believer is only the starting place. It's only the starting point. Bottom line, you want to love people? You want to do what Jesus says? The starting point is you don't despise them or judge them. That's just a starting point. 
He's already talked about that. Especially when it comes to spiritual maturity. Especially when it comes to the things that we do. The more mature you are in Christ, you may find that some things are okay now that you didn't think were okay earlier. But for somebody who's spiritually immature, they think that what you're doing is wrong. And so there can be an attitude that happens between different levels of people based on their spiritual maturity. So the one who's more mature despises or judges the younger one, or the younger one judges the more mature because he's doing something he thinks is wrong. We talked about that last week. But his point Paul is making here, that's only the starting point. It's not just that I don't go around judging each other or whatever because I'm going to make an effort to go beyond that. What am I going to do? Here it is. You're going to make every effort to not cause a fellow believer to sin. So let me use his illustration here, okay? In his day, eating was an issue. Well, it's an issue today, George, because you could eat unhealthy and all of that. No, no, listen to me. Eating was an issue. First of all, in their culture, meat was not necessarily available to everyone. You didn't, couldn't just go to the supermarket. There was no Goodman's. There was no supermarket section at Walmart. No J&G. No Save-A-Lots that you could go to, to the, and grab a steak or, or chicken or fish or whatever it is that you want and bring it home and cook it the way you want to do it. There you went to the market. And meat was expensive. So first of all, it was something that was very expensive. Well, isn't that true today too, right? Okay, nothing's changed, right? So meat was expensive. But the problem was with their meat, that meat that, that was being offered in the market may have been brought by somebody to the local temple in Corinth. Not to the Jewish temple, but to a pagan temple. To some god, maybe Athena or Zeus or Apollos. And was offered there. And so what did the temple do with their sacrifice? Well, they make money off of it. How? Distributing it to vendors and selling it. So so that meat was offered to an idol. Now, a mature person, a mature person in Christ would realize, and Paul would say this later in one of his other letters, that an idol is nothing. You can eat the meat. It's okay. But to somebody who just got saved out of paganism, who just got saved out of worshiping the gods, he in his own conscience can't eat that meat. And he thinks in his immaturity, but yet he's saved, that anybody who eats that meat is wrong, is a sinner. So here's Mr. Joe I've been saved for a while. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm mature, eating a cheeseburger. And there comes along somebody who's just saved, who's looking and he sees, oh no, he's not worried about the bun or the cheese. He's worried about the burger. And he's like, that came from the temple. That's not right to eat that. Why are you eating that? You're a sinner. And that's the point Paul's making here. This is the issue. So first of all, so don't judge. Don't despise in that argument. That's only the starting point, but here's what he's saying. He's saying to the mature person, don't put a stumbling block in front of your fellow brother or sister. 
Don't cause them to sin. You say, well, they're not sinning. Yeah, but they think they are. You know what I'm saying? They think they are. I, I remember a story in my reading about the late speaker uh, H.A. H. Ironside. H.A. Ironside. And he was, I think he was at Moody Church, and they were having some kind of gathering with students there at the Moody Bible Institute. And there was a Muslim student there, and they were having a barbecue. And he was telling this Muslim student, you know, who is a believer in Jesus Christ, that it's okay to get a hot dog. Because hot dogs, I know we buy the beef ones, what are they made from, folks? Pork, right? Pork. And the Muslim student, who's now a believer, refused to eat it. And so Ironside says, look, no, no, it's okay. You can eat that. That has nothing to do with your salvation. You're going to be okay. Eat the hot dog. It's all right. But the student refused. And finally, he pressed him more and more. Why, why, why? And so then the student said, I thought this was interesting. He said, I have to go back to my home country. And my parents aren't Christians. They're devout Muslims. And the first thing they're going to ask me when I walk through the door is, did I let that meat go past my lips? Meaning pork. And he said, I don't want to do it. Ironside felt really bad and thought we should have never had hot dogs at that barbecue. Why? For the sake of the younger one and his convictions. See, this is the issue. You need to make every effort to cause a fellow believer not to sin. Every effort not to cause somebody to sin. Why? Because it's the issue of freedom. Because again, you say, well, I have freedom. I can eat a hamburger. I can eat a cheeseburger. I can do this. Yeah, but listen. Listen to what he says here. Look with me. Verse 14. Here's what he says. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. Here's what I want you to see. There are things that you are convinced are okay, but they're not for others. Do you understand? There are things. There are things that you engage in. There are things that you listen to. There are things that you watch that are gray areas. I'm not talking about things that you shouldn't watch that you know are wrong, okay? But I'm talking about areas that are gray. But for you, you've come to a conclusion in your own conviction before the Lord that it's okay. But you also need to recognize, this is what Paul's saying, he recognizes that it's okay to eat anything. That's interesting from him, isn't it? But he says, for others, though, it's not. So you need to recognize there are things that are okay with you, but they're not for others. So what, do I just live in slavery to them? Yeah, kind of. For their sake, for their spiritual walk with God, you have to make a decision. What's that decision? Well, let's look here. Let's go on. He says, look into this. He says, look at me at verse 15 and 16. He says this. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. 
By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Here's what he's saying here. Your exercise of freedom is unloving if it causes harm to other believers. Your exercise of freedom, and we have freedom in Christ, right? There are certain things we know we're not supposed to do. We don't have freedom there. But there's a whole lot of areas where you and I, it's a gray area, you have freedom in. But the problem is, if you doing that in front of somebody who thinks that it's wrong, you're actually doing harm. It's not loving. Why? Because it isn't about you. It's about others. And why others? Because Jesus died for them too. And you want them to mature. Did you understand what I'm saying? You want them to mature. So you curtail your what? Your freedom. Now that's hard for us as Americans to even fathom, right? That we could curtail a freedom. But that's what he's talking about here, right? He's talking about in your life as you interact with other believers... Yes, you have freedom, but your freedom has a limit. And that limit is what? The needs of others. That's the limit. Let's go on here. He's going to now point out to us the whole issue of then what true spirituality is. See, the issue of true spirituality isn't you exercising your freedom. It's actually something so much more. Look with me. We're going to see it here in verse 17. Look at what he says here. For the kingdom of God is not the matter, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The issue of the kingdom of God, what is spirituality about? What is Christianity about? It's not about you being able to do whatever you want to do or eat anything you want to eat. Did you catch that? Your salvation, your forgiveness of sins, isn't so that you can just go do whatever you want to do now. I know Christians who act that way. I'll just ask for forgiveness later. That, that's not what it's about. It's about something so much more. So here's the point I want you to see. The kingdom of God is not about your freedom Rather, it's about your relationship with God. That's what it's about. It's not about your freedom, what you can do in the Lord and what you can't do, and the forgiveness you have. It's about what? He talks about it here. It's about righteousness. It's about peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you mean? That's not the relationship. Yeah, who do you think is within you that you interact with on a daily basis so that you can have that joy and peace and righteousness? But God, the relationship. This isn't about your freedom and what you can do in Christ. It's about others and about your relationship with him. That's why he saved you. He didn't save you just to give a get-out-of-free-jail card. a credit card with banked on the bank of forgiveness for whatever you're doing wrong. He didn't give that to you. 
He, he gave you salvation to have a relationship with him. Isn't that what he said in the garden? And this is eternal life that they know you and me. Eternal life is knowing God. Not knowledge of him, not facts, but knowing him. Relationship. So let's go on here. Here's what I want you to see here. Again, true spirituality. Look with me at verse 18. Here's what he says. So whoever serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So pursuing the relationship with God is what makes you acceptable to God. Now, let's stop for a moment. That's interesting that he said that, right? Because you thought, wow, didn't I remember you saying, George, earlier in this study that we can't do anything for acceptance with God? And that's true. There's nothing you can physically do to gain acceptance with him. It's not about you, right? Remember I said that. It's about what Jesus did. But here he comes along and he says, you now as a believer, you want to be acceptable to God? Then what? Pursue him. Pursue the relationship with him. That's what makes you acceptable, is your desire to pursue him. And so as your desire is there to pursue him, you're going to do what's right for what? Others around you. You're not just going to pursue your freedom. So be aware. One of the things that I've realized in, as I grow in Christ, so I got saved in 1985, so we're looking at 38 years. 38 years of walking with Jesus, and so obviously I'm assuming that some maturity has taken place. And so I've realized that there are things that I would never have even considered doing in the earlier years. I'm, I'm okay with doing them now. I realize that in Christ I can do those things. But I, I've, I've had to come to the realization that I don't do those things around some people because it may affect them. Because they are at a place where I was 30 years ago, 35 years ago, 38 years ago, and I couldn't have handled it. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? And so for their sake, I just hold off. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that's what he's talking about here. That's true spirituality, is that as I'm pursuing my relationship with him, as you pursue the relationship with Christ, you have got to be thinking about others. It isn't about you, folks. It's about where other people are around you and helping them in their faith grow. Do you understand what I'm saying? In their faith grow. So... So then he gets to, just to sum it up here, verses 19 to 23, he's going to talk about what really matters. This is what really matters. It isn't, it isn't your bank account. It isn't your retirement plan. It isn't your dreams being fulfilled. He's going to talk about what really matters in life. Even when our interaction is with each other in a church, and we do interact with each other in a church, and we do do things together, and we fellowship together, and we, we do things together. And so what really matters, listen to what really matters. Look with me at verse 19. Here's what he says. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. 
So, okay, so what really matters, George, with regards to Kerwinsville Christian Church isn't the agenda that I might have for the church. What really matters for the church isn't the agenda that the leaders, the elders, and the trustees may have for the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that, that's not what really matters. What really matters isn't the bottom line. What really matters isn't all of the viewpoints of other people and what we think we should be doing or shouldn't do, and that exists as well. That really doesn't matter. That's not what matters. What matters is something so much more. What is it? Here it is. Pursue that which strives for peace and mutual edification among believers. Pursue that which brings peace. Peace among believers. And I think, can I be honest with you? I've been, I've been, I have been involved in church fights. I've been in churches that have suffered because of fights. I have been around conflict among people, conflict in church, churches driven by agendas, churches destroyed because of agendas. And, and listen, when I hear people, well, I'll never forget. It's right here in this church. In the winter of, uh, it was in January, February, of 2001 I was being interviewed they had called me and December 10th was the first time I spoke here they called me to fill the pulpit and after that they kept calling me to come fill the pulpit and then they wanted me to be their pastor so we're going through the interview process and going through the questioning and I asked a question of the leadership at that time I asked those men who were there and they were just called a board. It wasn't an elder board. It wasn't a deacon board. It wasn't even trustees. It was just called a board. I, 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 just, I asked the board at that time, where do you guys see the church going? And Because and, they had just gone through a meat grinder of problems, and, 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 and it was not good. And, and I'll never forget one guy, he's no longer here, but one guy spoke up, and he said, well, here's my answer. We don't know. And here's what he said. One guy came and he told us to go over here. Another guy came and he told us to go over there. And then another guy came and he said, go over there. He said, we don't really know where to go. He said, we just want to have church together. That was a powerful statement. He just wanted to have church. Because that's what matters, right? What do you mean have church? Well, peace and mutual edification. Peace and what? Growing together in our what? Relationship with Jesus. This is what really matters. It isn't my freedom, I can do this, and who cares if that bothers you. This is about peace and helping each other what? Grow in our relationship with Jesus. That's what really matters. Here's the second thing I want you to see. It's in verses 20 to 23. That final section here. Look at what he says. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything indeed is clean, for it is not for anyone, it is, it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble but for, by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. 
The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because eating is not from faith. And so whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Here's what I want you to understand. Maturity is understanding your freedom, but not exercising it for the sake of others. That's what maturity is. So again, it's back to the issue of food. Yeah, you got freedom to eat whatever you want. If we're living in that day, you can go get meat from the market, even though it's been offered to Zeus, and you can barbecue it and, and get it just right the way you like it. You can do that, but the problem is don't invite the guy over who's just new in the faith for dinner and serve him that if he thinks eating it is wrong. Don't do that. Because you're hurting him. You're destroying his faith. Maturity is knowing the freedom you have and what? Containing it. Not exercising it. For what? The sake of somebody else. Because again, what is it about? So let's wrap this up. What is it about, George? Well, just like with your salvation, it's not about you, right? It's about Jesus and what he's done for you. But when it comes to your Christian life and the freedom you now have in Christ, again, it's not about you. It's about who? Others in the body of Christ. So that they can all be what? Growing in their relationship with him. So that's maturity. And may God bring us to that point, each of us. Let's pray.